Hi there, and welcome back to this Human Life Podcast. My name is Melissa Sanova, and this is the companion podcast to the book, This Human. And it's a, not quite a podcast, not quite an audio book. We've been over the past several months, well, I have been over the past several months reading through this book page by page and just diving a little bit deeper into the content and trying to bring some of the concepts to life with stories and experiences and and some funny anecdotes. So we are really on the home straight. I think there's another couple of episodes left and we will have chapter seven finished, including this one. So we've also got some new projects under um, development. So I'm excited to be moving on from the audiobook slash podcast project onto a new one, which I will talk about next episode. So tune in for that. Um, and we'll just dive straight in. So we're in chapter seven. So chapter seven is all about delivery. And I know that I've said this about all the other chapters. You know, this one is a really important chapter, but I think it's true to say that without any capacity or capability in the, in the mindsets and knowledge sets and skill sets and tool sets, thank you, Harold Nelson, that are required to help you actually deliver something in the real world to go from the idea realm into the shared experience realm, then we can be brilliant in our minds. But if we don't actually have the capacity to transmute those ideas into real products and services and strategies and programs and policies and laws in the real world, then it's very difficult to make change. So that's what this chapter is about. And it actually, in rereading, is leaning a lot of my experience as, a, as an engineer when I was working at Sumitomo and Ford before, before my time at Telstra and before I launched, I co-founded Huddle. So I'm actually enjoying reconnecting with those experiences. So we are on page 189 and it starts with a Dr. Seuss quote. I said what I meant and I meant what I said. Horton the Elephant, Dr. Seuss. This is a a quote that at Huddle we often um, use to be able to describe one of our values, which is can do, will do. And it really, for me, it's in delivery because your word becomes really important at this phase of the design process in that when you say you'll do something, it's really important that you follow through and do it for two reasons. One, it builds integrity with your word and that's important to you as an individual so that you can trust what you say to people. But it also builds the, the intrinsic authority of what you say with your colleagues and contemporaries. And seniors, I guess, if you're in a large organisation with hierarchies and and that sort of thing. And it also builds integrity in your work. So that's a whole lot of depth to a quote that comes out of um, some works by Dr. Seuss. All right, page 190, testing and prototyping. Delivery poses challenges of observation, sense-making and ideation. As you test your design and see whether it is feasible for the people using it, you still have to observe, sense-make and ideate. But the context of your inquiry has now changed, as has the intention. It is no longer focused on connecting with insight, it is focused on delivery. Observation during prototyping. We create prototypes to test the integration of insights into a design that is the conduit for impact. Your work is the vehicle through which change will occur or people will experience something new. 
As you go through delivery, you need to test your design with the people who will be using it to ensure you're going to enable the intended outcome. There are many different types of prototypes and many books that describe the process and method in great detail. I won't repeat those here, but the intention of a prototype is not often made explicit, so this is what I will explore now. I just need to stop here and say that, you know, that that statement that I said before about testing your design with the people who are actually going to be living with it, you know, seems like a Captain Obvious statement. And it still is the case where people in organisations feel that it's either too expensive, too hard or too time consuming or too risky for them to actually reach out to the citizens or, 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 you know, customers that they have to actually do this type of work and they'll use you know, customer advocates or they'll use a person who represents the voice of the customer who, you know, may have a secondhand experience or their understanding of the customer being informed by design. Now, those people are extremely valuable people. And, you know, if you can't get to the customer working with those types of people, obviously is, is invaluable. But it's really worth trying to get actual customers in to participate in helping you design by way of research or by way of testing um you don't know what you might otherwise have access to if they are a part of the design process and some people who have a role of being the voice of the customer may be in the customer experience group or in the marketing group may not actually be a customer or a user of the service that you're providing and i think data and analytics and evidence base on how people move through your service ecosystem and what they click on and what they don't click on and where they dwell and all that sort of stuff is obviously helpful insight but it describes what they do it doesn't necessarily describe why they do it it's very difficult to understand the motivation from a set of numbers and that's why actually getting people in to help unpack why are they doing those steps that you can track and and measure and test and quantify why is it that they're doing it in that way What are they ultimately trying to achieve? And solving from that place in your prototyping is is really efficient, actually. (laughs) So, yeah, okay, off the soapbox. Testing attributes. Is it useful? When I worked in car manufacturing, we did attribute prototyping. Attributes are the qualities and requirements of a module. For example, a climate control system may be able to reduce the cabin temperature from a high temperature to a low temperature in a certain amount of time. This is a requirement and also a design standard. The engineers would create a rig of the car as accurately as possible so that they could test this attribute with the modules they have in mind. Modules were taped together, hung from brackets, wired up for testing. They The intention of the prototype was not to test functional performance, it was to understand whether the attribute made sense and if it was achievable. For example, reducing the temperature from 45 degrees Celsius to 10 degrees Celsius in two seconds might be very uncomfortable for the passengers and put unnecessary pressure on the engineers. In your work as a human-centered designer, the closest thing to attributes are design principles. These are the principles that inform your design of features, functions, and experiences. Testing your design principles early ensures that what is informing your design is correct and meaningful. 
This step can be skipped at times. Sometimes design principles are created towards the end and done for the benefit of the client, not our own work. But testing design principles early and actually applying them to your own work is an authentic way to see whether they actually make sense and result in a design which is meaningful. So you might be asking, well, how do you design, how do you test design principles? <laughs> um, well, one empirical way is to make the testing really explicit in that you enact a design principle, which might be designed for transparency in a particular, you know, aspect of your design, whatever that may be, whether it's a website or a strategy, and you have someone experience that whether that's either through a presentation of whatever it is that you've created or if it's if they can use it if the thing you're creating is usable then the use of that and then to run a critique session which explores whether or not that design principle was felt whether those words actually or um, adjacent words feature in the reflection of the user just as as you may do functional testing you know by trying to you know make things more streamlined you can observe whether or not you've been able to achieve that in observing the way people use the product it's the same with design principles testing functions is it usable so testing attributes is about usefulness and testing functions is about usability the intention of testing functions is to understand whether they make sense to the person using it and enable them to complete the intended task The same basic principles apply to products, services and strategies. Functional testing is the most tangible form of testing and tends to be done most often. The features are described, the functions are tested and interacted with and you determine if you've created something that successfully addresses previous frustrations. Testing experiences. Is it desirable? Testing the experiences evoked by your design relates more to ideas about emotional design than if the functions make sense and are easy to use. Functional testing usually takes center stage because it's easier to determine if something works or not and people are better at talking about functions than emotions. However, it is also very important to set up tests of the emotive experiences evoked by your design. This determines if your work is desirable or not. Testing for emotive experiences is similar to exploring this during research. The difference is that you are evaluating your own design, e.g. a new service, rather than your client's, e.g. an incumbent service. You can apply exactly the same techniques to connect with the emotive experiences of those interacting with your design as you would in a research context, because prototyping is just another form of research. As your, te- as your design progresses, it becomes harder to test for these three dimensions independently. Your design principles become the informing criteria of your decisions and the experience becomes linked with the functionality of your design. Dividing the process of testing into these categories is meant to illustrate how they link back to the three dimensions you need to consider when you are designing for people. It enables you to bring a deliberate intention to your prototyping sessions and create something that is robust, reliable and resolved. In the earlier episodes, I spoke about well-resolved design. So we're just going to flip back to page 191 because there's an example there where looking at the difference between showing the difference between attribute, function and experience 
To create a design that is robust, reliable, and resolved, it helps to test your work with clear intentions. So, oh, it's interesting, I actually use the same principle. Duh, of course I did. All right, so I'm just basically showing the, the comparison between an automotive example, because that's my experience, and human-centered design. So an attribute in the automotive might be pull down temperature from 45 degrees to 20 degrees in 10 seconds. And the attribute for human-centered design might be, you know, design for, for transparency, which is the principle. The function might be air conditioning and fan controls, and you're testing the functionality of those in the automotive example. And in human-centered um, design, it might be about product disclosure statements written in plain language. So that's the functional attribute. And then the experience might be, in the automotive example, cabin becomes comfortable in a short amount of time. And the experience in the human-centered design example might be clarity of product details and feeling comfortable and trusting. So you're probably getting that the way that you get at attribute function experience is by the types of questions that you ask as well, or the way that you actually run your uh, critique session. Okay, moving on, four important stances. While the content in this section is directed towards delivery, it is equally appropriate for fieldwork during research. Often we don't consider prototyping to be a form of research, but I think we should. An eagerness to understand how people adapt their behavior to a new reality during delivery will make it easier for you to make changes deliberately. There are four important stances to remember when observing the use of your prototype or participating in any form of critique of your work. Now, um, a little background on stances. We used to pay a lot of attention to this at Huddle. We still do. Um, because your stance is kind of like the way that you are approaching. It could be the same activity. And I always use a sailing metaphor to be able to explain what stance is. So imagine that you're in this beautiful place on this planet and you have a boat and you're going to sail out to an island that's not too far off the coast. And then one day you decide that you're going to race there. So you invite certain people with experience of crewing and you have a meeting with them beforehand. You say what you want to do, you plan out your strategy, you come up with your tactics and you, you know, get the, your yacht ready and then you go and the way that people are on the boat is very much geared towards the intention, which is to race. And so their stance is one of a racing stance. Their actions are quick. You know, they're probably dressed differently. The int, the communication between the captain and the crew is different and so on. Um, the very next day, you might ask the same people to do exactly the same voyage, but instead of racing, you want to cruise. And so the people will turn up with a different attitude. They'll probably be dressed differently. You'll, you'll have stopped the, you know, the beer fridge. <laughs> um, and the stance on getting from, you know, one point to another with exactly the same people on exactly the same vessel is very different. And that's how powerful stance can be. And that's why it's really important to talk about it and to be intentional about the stance that you want to take when doing work. So these are those. All right. Be curious. Being interested in what people think and say about your work requires a sense of humble curiosity. This is a stance of wondering why things are, being perceived the way they are, and what sits behind the critique of your work. 
If you like testing your design in situ, you might see some curious uses of your work. View this with glee, not dismay. Be aware. To follow your curiosity in interesting and meaningful ways, you need to be aware of your surroundings and be present to your context. This also means knowing the impact you are having on your environment and finding ways to make the impact appropriate. Remember that you will always impact what you are studying just by virtue of wanting to observe or measure it. A sense of presence and awareness is critical to observing well. Be present. Sometimes we confuse being aware with being present. Being aware is about situational awareness, the things that are happening around you. Being present is about understanding how you are in a certain situation, the things that are happening inside you. Be present during discussions about your design so that you don't seem defensive, disinterested or arrogant. By remaining present, you can observe others' engagements with your work objectively. This will give you a much better understanding of how to improve your work, which will result in a higher quality outcome. Be distant. Because we are in the most tangible state of the creation process, grounded in reality and in the physical plane, we need to keep a distance between what we are observing and recording and our own reactions and observations. As Hemsley and Atkinson point out, social and intellectual distance is required because it is in this space that the analytical work can happen. Without this space, the inquiry can be little more than the autobiographical account of a personal conversion. What they are calling a personal conversion is a situation in which a researcher becomes affected and involved in what they are observing. They become emotionally connected with the people or attached to a certain outcome and find themselves involved in the scenario and themselves as opposed to being a distant and careful observer. Creating some distance between you and your work will help you deal with critiques or change requests resulting from testing and reviews. And one last little paragraph about noticing the details. Make sure you don't dismiss any of your observations as unimportant or irrelevant. There might be something very important behind a comment about your choice of typeface or why customers keep turning the product upside down or, it, or a mispronunciation of the name of the strategy. If you remain open and non-judgmental, you'll uncover nuances that you can incorporate into your work, increasing your chance of creating a well-resolved design. All right, well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Gosh, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground there. Remember, the there's also a community of practitioners over at This Human Community, which is hosted on Mighty Networks, which is a private community um, uh, of people who are interested in the work and doing the work, which This Human points towards, um, and also a place for people to connect and share ideas and share you know, challenges they might be facing in their work and, and basically access an incredible, supportive, professional community who are all on a similar journey around being the best version of human-centered designers they can be in this world. Um, so I invite you to head over there and check it out. And uh, I will put the, the link to this human community in the show notes. And again, as always, if you want to see what courses are available and check out a bunch of free stuff, head over to thishuman.com. 
And if you want to explore working with me one-on-one in a coaching capacity, you can do that over at melissasanova.com. Thank you once again for being here. Thank you for listening and I look forward to being with you next week. Take care. Bye.